Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine Saint Clair. All aboard! Like you don't deserve an introduction. It's just I just don't always do it. That, that hence that's why it's called Crazy Train because just everything's like I don't know, crazy town here. <laughs> hey, no, no worries. That's, this is where I belong. Like I've never met a publicly traded comedian in my life. And I've got to say that's interesting. Is that even true? That it you're it is 100% accurate. Uh you're meeting a publicly traded for the first time. I launched my own cryptocurrency first comedian to do that. So I'm technically publicly traded. So if you think I'm funny, you can buy Breitcoin and I guess if you think I suck, you can, I don't know, short short it or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they do with crypto. I mean, I was busted for insider trading once. I, that was my next question. So Were you really? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, this is great. Holy shit. Why? Is that what happened to you? Or were you like a stockbroker at some point? Whose idea was it? That's like three questions. But yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and by the way, three questions plus a, a huge bearing the lead here on uh, you having an insider trading, uh, I guess, escapade. Yeah. Yourself. Uh, currently, no insider trading. I have not given anyone insider tips on my career as far as like, oh, I'm about to pop. Buy Breitcoin. I just tell everyone, buy Breitcoin. Just Breitcoin.org. Go buy it. It's on a trading exchange called Uniswap. The idea stemmed from, uh, I mean, it was a little bit of a creative necessity. And then I was trying to think of an innovative way to self-fund a movie. Uh, a friend and I of a script, a friend and I wrote and um, not to be boring, Jasmine, I I but love I love it. You love boring. Good. Then I'm, no, you got the right boring. guy. <laughs> um, the uh, Go ahead. Yeah. So to trying to creatively fund a movie, what one thing that I noticed about cryptocurrencies, it affords people freedom from traditional financial institutions. I am a comedian who wrote a movie uh, I would like freedom from traditional creative institutions so that we can make the the movie we want to make without any compromises. Um, there are updates on that movie and uh, that project, I should say, but uh, that's where it stemmed from. And I was never been a stockbroker. Uh, I've never worked on Wall Street. Um, <laughs> I have done cocaine. Cocaine, but I'm just kidding. No, okay. <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> we've all done it. I've done it. You have? Yeah. Frequently? Um, no, you would think so. I just have a hyperactive thyroid that I don't really treat because I just like I forget to take my meds sometimes, and that's the only med I'm on. But um I just feel like if I take thyroid medication to level myself out. It's okay, sorry. I thought you said that's the only med I'm on referring to cocaine. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, 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 thyroid. No, 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 no. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, if I do medication. what people will think, like, it's already like bad enough people think I'm, I'm on coke now. It's like, really? No, you haven't seen anything yet. 
I'm a kick in the head when that happens. It's been like years since I've done it. <laughs> you ever snorted thyroid medication? Um, no, because it's in a gel cap. Mm. And I don't want to be like normal and have normal days like most people do, like that, that boring shit. You know, I just much rather wake up and just see like where I end up. And it's usually in the same place I've woken up or like somewhere else across it, whatever. I, I end up only in good places. So I don't end up like on a park bench in Central Park um, or, you know, in the middle of the street of the Bowery or some crap like that, even though it's like totally hipsterized now. Uh, are you from New York? Because I detect a little bit of an accent. Wow. I have never gotten that before in my entire life based off my face if I'm from New York. No, I'm, I'm from Kansas originally. I could tell by the accent, 100%. I took um, dialects and voices uh, when I was at Second City. Really? So, yeah. So we did like the whole Midwest thing. My <laughs> forte would be European accents, but I, I could totally hear the Kansas or like Alabama, like one of those places. Right, right. Do you have a um, do you have an accent you're best at? Um, I don't know what my best accent is at this point. Um, they're just different ones, you know, there's Russian prostitution, there's all these different things. <laughs> like French is my second language, so I can speak the French accent if I have to for something. But uh, yeah, I booked something on a British TV show recently, so I'm pretty proud of myself for that. So it's, it's pretty good, but I couldn't do what you do. Like you get up on stage and you tell jokes and it's, I mean, what even made you do that being from Kansas? Did you just watch a movie or something and you all of a sudden want to be a comedian? It's pretty much similar to that. I mean, I grew up truly loving comedy. Uh, it was the first thing I think I like really fell in love with. I, you know, idolized Conan and Chris Farley and Chris Rock and just people who were funny. Um, and being funny, I, I come from a big family of five and I'm the youngest. And I think to a degree, we're all like joke tellers in the family. And to a degree in a family that big, the way you get attention is by being funny. Um, so I think it, it stemmed from that, but as far as pursuing standup, uh, I don't know. I just had one of those things where coming out of school. I knew I wanted to move to New York to pursue standup because doing comedy, when I did comedy in college, it was like the first time I ever felt like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm hopefully, uh, have a, a love for that and maybe to a degree special at it. So why not go to New York to do that? Now, in my decade or so since I've been in New York, I've learned I'm not special. But uh, <laughs> as New York is wont to do to a to a dreamer, but um, but it stemmed from falling in love with comedy early on and just saying, "Well, what else am I doing with my life? I'll go do that." Yeah. So, which led me to this, which led me to us having a, a conversation. Well, I grew up in New York City, so I get it. I mean, I'm still very much a New Yorker. I don't mind ripping someone's dreams apart. Like, if they're a jerk, I'll totally do it. But Good. Yeah. I, I mean, I appreciate how you did the whole thing with crypto because it's so much better than being something, like seeing some like, like millennial or hipster chasing after his dad's Tesla. Hey, dad, can I have more money? Like, what's this freaking man bun? So I see that like happening not too long ago and yeah. the dad's not bad looking, but he's old. Like he's way too old for me. He's probably around my age, but it's, he's still too old. So then <laughs> I see him again, like with the son with a different outfit on dad, dad, can I have 50 bucks? I'm like, I should just go over to him and say, Hey dad, can I have like a thousand dollars? 
I'll probably do like a lot more than this kid would for the thousand dollars. I'm just saying, you know, because the dad was like, he's hot. I don't think he had a dad body, but he was sitting down. So I couldn't tell. And I'm nearsighted. So, but that is pretty good. So you came out, I think Chris Farley. Was wait, 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 but hold on. Go back. So you saw this instance of a kid beckoning his father for money. And in your head, you were like, if I go over there, you definitely could have gotten more money than his own son. Come on, a woman like you, if you go up, maybe not, you don't say dad. Maybe if you had said daddy. Exactly. Probably, hey, daddy. If you had said daddy, he would have written you a check for 50 grand. <laughs> yeah, but would it would it uh would it bounce or not? That's the question. I don't know. I mean, he did have a Tesla. That's you know, that's the status symbol du jour of the modern era. It's a like douchebag car, I think. I don't know. I, I hey, do you don't got to tell me twice? I feel similarly. I'm like, I don't think it's listen. I have, I know a person or two is very sweet who got a Tesla. Uh huh. So everyone, you know, don't stereotype. But yeah, yeah. I think to a degree, you're right. I think that it's kind of a douchebag car. I think it's the modern douchebag car. Fuck a sports car or like an over-the-top convertible thingy, whatever. I think it might also be a Tesla. Yeah, I know two people that have Teslas that are really nice, but I, I ride a motorcycle when like when I'm in LA or if I'm in Europe at the time, I usually rent a bike, but it's like when they, what they do is and you have these Teslas going up sunset trying to like outrace your bike. It's just like, so do I like take out a bag of marbles and like throw it at you? Like, what do I do? Like Mario, so, Mario Kart, throw a banana peel behind you. Something like that, right? So I, I learned that from a friend of mine that's in the bike club. He's in jail now. But so this is sure. pretty cool. So I think Chris Farley was in a big family. Like I met him years ago when I was hanging out with Corey Feldman, but I did not realize it was like Chris Farley, Chris Farley. And oh, really? Yeah, he was really cool. And like, I like talking to him more than like Corey Feldman, because then I went on Howard Stern and told them that Corey Feldman had a small dick, which is true. But he didn't want to speak to me after that. I, but I wanted to speak to Chris, you know? So I understand like when you're saying you wanted to be funnier than everyone else in your family, did you always feel like it was a competition thing or. I got to say, Jasmine, you have a wonderful way of dropping bombs, then going back into like interview question. Oh yeah. No, they're not bombs. They're just like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever you want to call them. Maybe not bombs, like, but I like, like I like it though. I think what you said. You just drop this like hilarious morsel of information. And then you have a talent of going back into, yeah, you literally go, Corey Feldman, he's got a small dick. Anyway, so what were you saying about getting into oh, yeah. this? Well, I mean, I think it's an attention thing. Like Chris Farley, who clearly is one of your idols. I mean, he he came from a family as well. Were you always in competition with like your other siblings to like try to get the most amount of attention to be big? I, I think so. I mean, you know, all my siblings are uh, maximum, uh, very talented, smart, hardworking overachievers. And um, I might have one of those qualities, hardworking. Um, <laughs> I don't know about the talented, smart, or over. Certainly not overachieving, but um, but yeah, I think that was it. Does did stem from that? Like, okay, I'm not going to get better grades than my sisters or one of my brothers. Uh, I'm not going to be more athletic than them, but maybe I can uh, try and tell the most jokes in the family. And they would all probably, as they should say, I'm completely unfunny, which your siblings should always say you are. But at least that was where it stemmed from. I, I intended to get attention that way. That's good. And like, what was your job before? I know you said you went to college. What were you doing as, let's say, a day job 
And I still say crypto is so smart. Like I'm going to go do that one day, like one day when I get like, I don't know when I'm not so lazy. Um, what would you say? Yeah. What was your job before that to actually pay to come to New York city and like have your apartment? Yeah. I worked as a video editor at a, uh, a media company called now this, um, it was a, uh, yeah, it's a news company and I would just produce cut video for them. Really, uh, a lot of great coworkers. The taxing part of it was like the content churn of just like constantly turning over content. And I saved all the money from that, eventually uh, quit that job and uh, then started uh, touring with stand-up and um, had like a successful touring company that then got eviscerated by the pandemic that Ugh. we're still like, as far as like, you know, I was kind of a comedian who had a living but not a career. Um, if that makes sense, like kind of in like that, that like, uh, lower middle tier of working comic, um, as I am not exorbitantly wealthy, but, um, in any case that was, yeah, that was the first day job. And that was a great experience for learning how to edit and trying to be creative with storytelling, even on a micro level, some of the storytelling principles, uh, with news stories can to a degree be applied to some of these larger stories that I'm trying to work on, like scripts and stuff. Did you ever see American movie? No. What's American movie? Oh my movie? God, you have to watch it. I really? mean, these guys are such mullets. It's unreal. So they're from Wisconsin and it's these two, it's this guy, Mark, and the other Mark who listens to Metallica, but Mark with the glasses had this uncle who was supposed to finance his movie called American movie. Uh-huh. And he, the grandfather would always say, oh, it's all right. It's okay. There's something to live for. Jesus told me so. But it's this really like nice, inspiring thing of these two country boys who just went out there and tried to raise movie, tried to raise money to do this movie. Their other movie prior to that was called Coven. And then they had this American movie they were trying to do all this stuff with. They did raise money for it. I don't know how exactly they got it but i'm the type of person if i like a movie i'll keep watching it over and over and over and over till it's just like i know every line so is this in your is this in your shortlist american movie it's a really unique like premise for a yeah it's in my shortlist and of course like river's edge and tootsie and all that but this is one of the best movies you've got it because you remind me of um of one of them trying to raise money for the movie and i'm sure your movie is great this is really good too on like a mullet culture type of level. Oh no, Jasmine. I mean, I hope I remind you I'm all vibe. These aren't the most handsome gentlemen. You are, yeah, you are actually, you are very, how tall are you? Six, five. How, how old are you? 30. Oh, you're too old. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I'm so too old. What the hell? But I tell 23 year olds that all the time it works. Um, it's hilarious. You just, you just neg the shit out of men. Huh? No, it's funny, but I assume you're doing well enough. Do you, do you still watch SNL? I mean, you grew up watching SNL. Do you watch? Uh, uh, no, not really. Yeah. Um, I think SNL, uh, I just don't have you know time necessarily to watch their show. They do a lot of great things, but yeah. Do you watch it? I don't watch it anymore. Like I, I watched it a lot when we had like Wayne's World because I love Wayne's World. Right. And, um, like the whole, the old chip. What is it? The Chippendale skit. Oh, that's a class. That's iconic. Well, I was taking clowning and physical comedy at Second City. So they always make you watch 
that Chippendale sketch, because I think it's like it's iconic, but it teaches like so much if you're learning physical comedy, if what the whole dynamic was between this hot piece of ass, you know, Patrick Swayze and like, but really when it comes down to if I if I had a choice of two people to date, it would be Chris Farley because he was way funnier and he was cool. And, you know, I'm not a chuckle fucker by any means, but I just thought he was cool. Just just a uh, just a teen male fucker. A what? A te- teen male fucker. You're 23. Yeah. It's too old. <laughs> I didn't say I 17. It. I did not say 17. Hey, no, you're right. You're right. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. For me as a 30-year-old guy, 23-year-old uh, and a woman, that's too old for me too. Exactly. So. See, so you can be commiserate about this. At least we get each other on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what did Although, you Huh? We might be different. I'm not, you know, like I went on a date with a 21 year old. My friend called me a sugar daddy. And I was like, I mean, no, all daddy, no sugar. Uh, <laughs> no, you're a sugar daddy in New York City or L.A. when you're 50 and you're still single and um, you don't even have a girlfriend or like any type of anything like that, like a live in girlfriend or what. Then you're a sugar daddy at that point. Like you have yeah. no choice. But to, so you're, you're far from that. And That's when good. would. When would you say that you're, you know, you felt like you had the most momentum doing your shows, like your live touring? Yeah, I mean, right before the pandemic, actually, I was doing them with my brother. He was also a comedian. He, he's about out of the game now. But we kind of were, we would go to separate cities and we'd be able to sell, for us, as a decent amount as, you know, relative no names. And by relative no names, I mean no name, no names. Um, <laughs> but um it was right before the pandemic. We could sell, you know, 100, 150 to 120 uh, tickets per city and, you know, make enough of a chunk of change to scrap out a living from that. And um, so that was when it was probably the touring was at its most successful. But from the pandemic, I've uh, been forced to challenge myself as a comedian in other ways, like screenwriting, um, which I really, uh, taking a love for, you know, trying to write scripts and stuff. Cause I, I love comedy storytelling. Did you ever suffer from stage fright? Uh, I did not. Uh, uh, I mean, fright it's tough. Cause I, I'll be honest with you. I'm nervous before every show in some capacity. I mean, when you can get up there, you can kind of just immediately be relaxed. But certainly there's just a degree of me that's always I'm like the Hulk. I'm I'm always nervous. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, how about you? Did you ever suffer from stage fright? I mean, you've been at you've done like some huge rooms. Like, yeah, do you ever get nervous performing for an, a certain amount of people or did it um, not affect you? With wrestling, it was just like thousands of people and like there, it's just more of an adrenaline rush. And I was very nervous the first time I went in a ring to do a promo. Then when I did my one woman show the first night opening night, I'm like, shit, there are people from your class. I was at Second City. I went through the whole um, grad review, the conservatory, then all the way to grad review, which I didn't even know I was going to get to. And it's like one of the biggest, like the coolest things I've, I've done in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I loved it. I've never thought I'd like end up writing sketch comedy. Then I produced a series with one of my friends in class, a comedic series. Um, but yeah, I just remember walking out on stage and it just, I wanted those lights as bright as I could get them. So I don't have to see you, but you could, I mean, I, I don't have to see you, but you could see me. I'll be naked up here verbally, obviously. 
because you're basically getting up on stage and twirling around naked for everyone to see you through your words and like what you're saying. I, but it was so nerve wracking. I had cotton mouth. I'm like, shit. How so, did your show go? I think our uh, our mutual friend Lainey yeah. men- mentioned it. How did you, how'd you feel about the show? It, it was a one woman show. So it was yeah. like a lot of storytelling and jokes and stuff or. No jokes. I mean, I don't know if there are jokes. People do laugh here and there, but I just feel as if I went up there doing jokes. A, I'd be like, every Jewish woman, and I'm not Jewish, on like the Upper East Side past 40 that does comedy, and I'm not that. I've never taken comedy. I just, maybe there's funny stuff, but I think just to get like pull out of the meat and the juice of the story. And it was really scary doing it, but I love it. And like, I'm in love with doing my show live than I can ever be with any human being in this lifetime. And I've no- that's what I've noticed. And when the pandemic hit, I just didn't know what to do next. And I just, I did voiceover work. Um, mm-hmm. Then I finally got paired up with the producer of my podcast, who every male like on the show or even straight males are in love with his voice and always ask me for him. I'm like, what the, like, what about me? So. Yeah, you're too, too old, Jasmine. I know I'm too freaking old. Um, <laughs> even like Mr. Skin was on the podcast last week of Mr. Skin fame, the website. And yeah, that website. Wait, what? That's a throwback, right? Dude, yeah, he's super hot and super smart, but he knew Greg. I'm like, who the fuck? So anyway, I'm just very happy to have Greg. So I just want to build up my audience now more. And then I want to go back on the road with this. So the first stop is New York. I might try like, I want to do some more places in LA, but I just want to be on the road with this. And then in five years, be back in Europe, living there and, you know, doing some acting here and there, and then doing my one woman show. You want to, oh, see so you on a, are you in, you're in New York or LA right now? I'm in LA, but nice. I've lived in I th- Europe before, but I, I love to travel. Like I'm a gypsy. Yes, that is a. Uh, do you ever curse anyone? If you're a gypsy, you ever put a hex on someone? Or ding, ding, I'm hexing you to give me all your cryptocurrency secrets. I'm like, oh shit, my dick got bigger. What oh, a good no. hex! <laughs> did it, or did it fall off? Did I just Lorraine and Bob at you? Oh, oh, yeah, it did fall off, but it was bigger for a moment, which was worth it. Worth it. <laughs> Before it fell off. So does your, I mean, so that's, it's been a really rough time for a lot of us uh, adapting to COVID. So what did you end up doing besides just, did you do live shows through the internet or do you a few like Zoom, a Yeah, a few yeah. Zooms. And um, honestly, I, and I went back into freelance video editing. I got on the uh, freelancer website and started just doing random odd gigs of cutting workout promo, just random crap. And, uh, and uh, like I said, I did turn to screenwriting yeah. and, um, cause you know, I always wanted to write a movie for like literally a decade, every year since I graduated college and borderline, even in college, my resolution was I'm going to write a movie this year. And every year I failed every year. And then it took the world shutting down for me to sit down and go, okay, listen, if I can't do it now, when, you know, everything else is non-existing i don't have no excuses you know what i mean it's like if i can't do it now when can i do it um so yeah a friend and i co-wrote a uh, a movie script that then ended up uh doing uh winning one of the biggest screenwriting competitions Good. um making us think we were going to like be in the money because you know we wrote a very timely piece of comedy i know it sounds pretentious but if i tell you the premise you'll go hey, i think it is and then um, we spent a year 
trying to shop it around and having a lot of interest, but no one pulling the trigger because of the seemingly sensitive nature of the comedy. But, um, and I can tell you, do you want me to just tell you what it's about? Yeah, Not to- my eyes are lighting up. I love offensive things and like things people get really um, touchy about because everyone's pussies hurt these days about everything. Yeah. Sure. I mean, and, and and to be clear, what we wrote is it's really not about being offensive at all. Right. Um, it is about edgier stuff. But I think sometimes for better comedy, you have to be willing to delve into riskier subject matter. The movie, Jasmine, yeah. is called uh, it's a slapstick comedy parodying all of the Oscar bait race movies. And it's called <laughs> Race the Movie. So it, it's what scary movie was for horror. This is for white savior slash prestige race movies. Um, so it makes fun of, you know, Green Book, Hidden Figures, The Help, Black Panther, Get Out, 12 Years a Slave. The original title of it was actually not another slave movie, oh. um, <laughs> which is a good, funny title. I and love you, I love it. You got, hey, listen, my co-writer's named Christian Duran. Look him up if you want to look up what his skin tone is, because I know I'm as, you know, people can't see me, but I'm thoroughly Caucasian, admittedly. Um, really? Yeah, believe it or not. Believe believe it or not. I know you, you're looking at my face and you're like that. I don't know. It could be could be a Chinese guy. Not from the waist down. He's not Caucasian. I'm joking. Okay. I, All I, right. I, hey, I I'll take one, it. I have to say just one dirty thing. Like I, I'm allowed to hit on hot guys. Okay. Because I'm on this side doing this. I could hit on whoever I want to now. It's so Desmond, I would be honored to have someone like you hit on me. Even even if it's hit on you. it's and by the way, you this is funny to me. Just so you know, mm-hmm. my friend, you are you're the beautiful woman I'm seeing on my Valentine's Day night. <laughs> I just thank you. Yeah, happy VD to you. It's like we're each other's Valentine's dates in a way, but we haven't had sex yet. You're supposed to fuck on the first date usually or second, but then we haven't even done that. It's so weird. It's a Zoom date. It weren't. A Zoom I know. Date. I know. I guess you're gonna have to get on a plane tonight. Oh yeah. See in a few. <laughs> uh huh. Oh yeah. Let's go. <laughs> But you are, you're like, I, I'm sorry. You never have to apologize for hitting on me or any guy, really, because we only go, <laughs> thank you. Like, <laughs> so, you know, hit away. Um, Can I hit on my lawyer that? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> How about your, your podcast producer host with a beautiful voice? Do you hit on him? Greg? Oh, I think I, I always tell him he's hot, which is true. But it's like he's I respect his um, I think he's like, I don't know what he is. And uh, I, I don't know. I think he's like taken, which is totally fine. And I respect that. Plus, we have such an awesome working relationship. So I never bring things like that into the um, work. But I really think he's one of the nicest people I met. And he has really good taste in music. What? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I, man, what an eligible. Well, I guess he's not eligible, but. Just, you know, shoot me Greg's info if you get a chance. What, are you if gonna you're going to turn day-to-day for him? I mean, the fuck? <laughs> hey, listen, you know, our relationship's not working out. You won't get on a plane. So, you know, I got to turn to Greg. You get on a fucking plane. I have a class tomorrow morning. I have to be at a 10 o'clock. Then we have a stage reading. I got to be there at noon. So you, 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 you're just going to, no, but this, okay. So getting back to your movie. <laughs> Um, so you're trying to shop it around. I think you should name it not another slave movie or just something really edgy. 
I don't think it's too offensive. I think it's funny. So it's slapstick. What are you going to do next with it? Are you going to try to produce it on your own and then sell it to Amazon or something? So, I mean, the plan actually, after a year of trying to go the conventional route, (laughs) Christian and I were like, screw it, let's do it as a play. And so we adapted and it's called Race the Movie, the Play. And uh, we adapted it to a play and uh, we did a read through last week. We're going to launch a Kickstarter actually in a a few weeks, a couple weeks from now. And uh, we're going to try and raise our money and do it the DIY way. And I think doing it that way will be the most like satisfying and fulfilling and fun way to do it. First off, what's great is it's a play, so it doesn't can't doesn't cost nearly as much. Plus props and costumes, no one gives a sh- like it's a stupid silly comedy, so they can cost like three dollars from Party City. You know what I mean? And um, and not to mention the joy of live comedy is. Uh, I think second to none. So I, I think doing it that way will just be the most fun. Like, you know, you, we, no matter what happens, I obviously really hope it succeeds in a major way. And I really believe the premise and how we executed it would resonate with people if they hear about it. But, you know, as a writer or artist or whatever you want to call yourself, the the dream is just making it. And the most enjoyable part of art is working with funny friends. So no matter what happens with the process, I'm just so excited to get to do that because that's heaven on earth to me. And uh, anyway, you could uh, be like the producers and like raise money for this whole thing. And then you think it's a flop and then you'll end up on the IRS, all this money. And then you can go to Brazil with me. It's perfectly fine. (laughs) Sounds, sounds like uh, you might be talking (laughs) from experience. I saw the movie. The you saw the oh the the uh the Mel Brooks movie. Springtime Mel Brooks. Or you know, you'll be surprised. I worked on a film right around the pandemic, and uh, the woman who did it did it on a very indie um, indie level, which is great. But it was, of course, it was union. But she did it in that whole fashion where it was done so well. She shopped, she went around to all the festivals that got all these awards. Now it's on Amazon. Right. You never know. Totally. My pipe dream with it is actually truly to, uh, in a world in which it gets heard about, I, my pipe dream is to go, we're not going to put it on streamers for four years. You have to get on your butt and go see it in theaters. Um, I also have this dream to split all of the profits evenly among all full cast and crew uh, in seed ownership that way, just because I think it would be a really unique, uh, unique thing to do. And uh, I don't need to, I I don't know who knows if we'll cross that bridge ever, but I would love the idea of sharing the, the wealth with people who put their hearts and souls into it. I don't own it. I want art to be for more people. That's really sweet. That's like, so, um, profound and it's like you're the only you're one of the few people i've spoken to in the past two weeks who's not doing like a mini series or a movie about your life it's like finally someone is not doing that shit because it's just okay yeah i have a one woman show and i have a podcast but like the last place i ever see like you watch these docu pictures right 
I'd much mm. rather go out partying with Tanya Harding any day of the week than like Margot Robbie. And I, she's beautiful. She's a great actress. But that's who I'd much rather party with is the person who made those stories and actually have the memories than the person that's just like playing you. OK, yeah, that's cool. But she never, ever had your life. And I'm sure the way they told the stories, they're somewhat tweaked. I mean, it was well written and directed. Perfectly. Right. So it's just that's why I like doing my show, because I'd much rather like be the person like up there telling the stories and people like meet me and like talk to me and ask me things. And like, I don't know if I answer or not, it's like another question, but yeah. That's it. No, that's a really, I love that point. Talk about a profound point. You'd rather uh, hang out with the people who lived the stories than the people who interpreted them, I guess, or just acted them play, play pretend little, quite literally played pretend. Yeah. I mean, Uh, when you want to go partying with Tanya Harding, I, you know, I would. Sure. Yeah. Let me, let me. Bob it. <laughs> Who did the slicing, by the way? Did Tanya slice? Oh, God, no. No, Lorena Baba did. Okay. Yeah. All right. I met the guy she did it to, though, like years later in Vegas in a casino. And he's like working for his brother's moving company. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, how wow. about that? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's crazy holy shit that but, is you know crazy. you just got to keep pumping away at it do you think the scene in new york city is like way too crowded with comedians are you going to keep doing live shows oh yeah there's tons of stand-up shows it's kind of all mostly back for the most part i don't think i think there's still some restrictions on seating capacities but it's still most it's kind of just back now which you know i'm very thankful for because uh i mean I, stand-up's just the best it's the most fun thing to do and I think a lot of people, you know, you know, I mean, when it comes to some pandemic stuff, I'm like I'm, I'm over so much performativeness that exists with our approach to pandemic shit. Uh-huh. Like I'll even be real with you, like straight up, like masks at this point, I miss looking at people's faces. Like it's part of being a human is being in public and we connect with each other, not even in like a, like deep way like it's just nice to see people's faces you have a moment you share a smile or something or whatever like we're you know what i mean we're we're covering most of our face it it dehumanizes us i don't think it's good i don't like it i don't think it's good and it takes away like your personality and who you are and like you have some jackass like eric garcetti out there without a mask with all these people yeah the the game yesterday nobody didn't check our vax cards and like all this other stuff, you know, in 60,000 people, no one's checking anything. We don't have masks on. Okay, fine. So if you're that scared, you know, you're telling people to wear this thing on and here you are living your best life without it. Then your kids got to go to school the next day with a damn mask on. And it does a lot. And it also causes acne. I went on one Bumble date. The only time I've been in Bumble in my life was during the pandemic. And the guy had a mask on or his, his American flag bandana. He took it off. His nose was freaking huge. Then he had acne. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. You know, actually, my friend called me. I'm going to go to Florida tonight, so I can't hang out. It's really good to meet you. I'm so sorry. I got to go. I was out the door. I'm like, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, you just can't. It's like, guys, catfished. <laughs> You know, there's a moment, by the way, there's a moment when you're saying that I was like, oh, is she saying that to me right now? I was like, no, damn, no, that's, no, no, you're fine. I was like, most abrupt end to a pod ever. Wow. I was like, did I say anything? No. But that was your one Bumble date ever. 
was yeah, that i don't date online do you date online i'm sure you get fans that recognize you right i don't know i'm not like that uh no one does that i don't date online i i, I had them during the pandemic one of the apps and make no <laughs> mistake it is probably good for you know convenience but i think it uh i don't know i think it's just they're time consuming and uh you know i'll meet the lady when i meet the lady <laughs> so you know? right or left hand do you ever find it hard to date like while doing comedy because people might think oh you're going to use our relationship in your performance somehow it's going to be one of your jokes like do you ever get that I do get that. I usually when people say that it almost is never guaranteed going into the act be just because like sometimes what people people just think a funny, slightly funny moment will definitely make a stand up act. And you're like, no, just someone tripping and falling. Does That's not really the joke. Like you can't just reproduce that story. And it's like, ha So uh, but it doesn't affect things too much. And I will say when I've had uh, women I've dated, I, I think there is a degree of veto power they can have over jokes related to, you know, them or our relationship, um, <laughs> especially if we're talking about like, you know, like, I don't know, sex life stuff. Like I, you know, it's important that my partner wouldn't feel like they have to have anything in their shit talked about. Really? You know what I mean? That's like so sweet of you. I guess I'm a total dick, huh? Oh, well. <laughs> Why? Do you, you have no, you're like, I talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. Exactly. Well, you know, yeah. you're a woman. So maybe, you know, there's some like, I don't know, men are, men are typically more like, yeah, it's fine. I think we're better peacekeepers. I don't know about that. Yeah, actually, you can be, but their their guys are like fun to argue with because I like the, I like the hot arguments, the hot, heated, crazy arguments. Because I'm a Scorpio, like I everything is chaotic, so it's good. It's all good. You're a, so Scorpios just love like the chaos of it. What are you like a Capricorn or something? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I sometimes go, this shit is bullshit. And then based off of us talking for like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh-huh. You did nail my sign. <laughs> you want me to tell you why? I'm I am truly all ears. Because every guy I've ever gone out with that was over six feet tall or six two, white with blonde hair and blue eyes, and very mellow and cool and smart, they were all Capricorns. <laughs> <laughs> So, so this, uh, how, how many of those are there? How many, um, what number am I Jasmine of tall Caucasian blue eyes? What am I? Five, six. Oh God. No, like 5,000. No. Um, don't forget <laughs> I lived in Scandinavia for a while too. So maybe like, what was that guy's name? Oh yeah. Oh, they both had the same name. Shit. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, like, oh, two, three, four, five. Seven, eight. Uh, wait, no. What was he? Oh, I didn't hook up with him. All right. One, two, like only, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like only 10. Hey, I'm honored. Top. Um, yay. Okay. That's, that's not too many. See, it's not too bad. At least like you're lighthearted about it. Cause you're a comedian 
And, you know, I want to see your show live. And what do you think, what would you say that most of your comedy focuses on? And do you ever, did you even go to school for improv or comedy ever? No, for stand-up, stand-up, I think you just got to start doing open mics. And that's right. like a form of the school. Um, but no, and uh, I didn't go any school for it. But um, how about, wait, I wanted to ask you, did any, yes. do any of your work related stuff, like you asked me how stand-up can affect relationships. Has your past work affected relationships and does it help you weed out? Huh? (laughs) You mean doing porn movies? Um, Sure. Actually, no, I dated a normal guy then. I dated one guy that was in the film business as well, who Mm -hmm. uh, who got murdered this summer. They thought it was um, an accidental overdose, but I I, I actually called the police like an idiot. And I said, no, because I was still friends with him. I said, I think someone, they robbed his store. And he died of drugs. Someone did that to him. And then they came back and robbed the store. Then obviously I get pulled into this freaking murder investigation. I'm like, great, here we are. Um, wow. Yeah, no, because we were still friends and I don't do drugs. I, I never had that whole thing going on. So yeah, I was free, obviously. So that was annoying. Yeah, you know, it was hard at first. Like when you date a civilian, I dated this drummer in Slayer. And I don't know like what he expected of me. I don't know what I expected of him. But some guys like they rub out. It's it's tough to have a relationship with a normal person, and it doesn't work if both of you are in that business because then one person can't perform. Then there's this whole thing. Well, who are you fucking off camera? Don't do that. Don't do this. And it's just really a weird thing. So then, mm-hmm. in wrestling, a guy like I was dating a guy who didn't like the fact that I was wrestling. He thought something was wrong with me emotionally that I wanted to get slammed around a wrestling ring by three four hundred pound guys. I mean, you're just being an entertainer. I think that's a right. And then you have a one woman show. So you don't invite someone you might be dating now to come see your show to learn more about you because you're up there and there's going to be stuff that probably irks them. Oh, I just want people to respect you. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, just like chillax. Don't be a fucking guido and just like shot. That's it. Just shot. That's all you got to do. No, it's true. I mean, and if uh, if people don't like if a person can't have respect for that there's no changing those people i think they're wrong but there's no reason of valuing the opinions of people whose opinions aren't worth having being valued dude um, i dated a guy that i met at the gangbang and i was with him for five years i dated him really? 25 later so yeah 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 25 years later so yeah wow. imagine you dated like, a guy like, at at the gangbang yeah yeah he was a journalist and um he told us for, like his family didn't care. His family was cool, but yeah, we met at a. <laughs> hey, I mean, I, did he have a top percentile peen? <laughs> yeah. That's 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 good. I mean, <laughs> do you tell dick jokes in your standup? I mean, they can come up from time but to why time. Why do you guys do that? Like, I noticed that like all these comedians, like in LA, especially, they end up doing dick jokes. Is that like? a nervous thing when you have no cool material. I don't understand. I think, I mean, I think it can be like a crutch for some people just because it's like this immediate, (laughs) like, Oh, what can I talk about? Oh, my dick. Like it's an immediate thing to talk about, but um, I think it just depends on the joke. I'm not a person who's like, Oh, a dick joke is lame. It just, is it a good one? Is it like original and like unique and never (laughs) been heard before? Or is it just some, you know, kind of some bullshit. No, but that can that, trust me. I mean, they probably there probably is generally, yeah. There 
a lot of overlap with them. I won't disagree with you there. I don't understand I mean, how like people tolerate being heckled in an audience. Like I don't want to go Lenny Bruce on them or something. What do you do? Like if someone starts heckling you? Uh, I mean, I think the best way is to try and uh, it depends where the, what the heckle is coming from. If it's coming from a place of like antagonism, like fuck you, then you want to uh, maybe you have to be harsher. But I think if it's just interruption, you don't want to like it's tough because you don't want to like seem like you're being like this like teacher who's like quiet down. I'm talking because that's like no fun. Yeah. But uh, I think the best way is to try and befriend them and or let them hang themselves. I don't get that. See, I don't know. Like we on a one woman show, you don't get that. We had like a little right. incident at the cutting room and my girlfriend was going to knock some guy out. It was so funny. Really? Was he yeah. just shit? He was trying. He was saying some shit. I don't know what he said. And geez, yeah, she wanted to knock his ass out, which would have been really fun to watch, too. But yeah, I mean, I just want to know how you handle that type of thing. I love Lenny Bruce, by the way, which are the older comp. Did you like Lenny Bruce? Or do you watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? I, I have not. I've watched one episode of that show. But I mean, Lenny Bruce was like the first comedian who made it all possible in a way by pushing the boundaries. And sometimes you listen to Lenny Bruce today and a lot of the context of what he did can get lost because because of like, you know, the trailblazer he was, we can now say whatever the fuck we want on stage but it wasn't like possible in his time that's why some of his act is just hand like cuss words and you're like there's technically no jokes but we have to remember he was existing in a time where like you were getting arrested for cussing or something like that yeah which is I'm pretty wild to think about well, yeah, I mean, people get arrested for all kinds of things like skinny dipping in someone's pool when they're not supposed to be. They're just like stupid shit like that. Um, oh, another another morsel of something from your life. No, never. You've never been arrested for skinny dipping. No. But you uh, uh, detained even. <laughs> if I was ever arrested. Have you been arrested before? What do you think? Wait, the insider trading. Have you been arrested? Wait, what, how did you insider trade? Were you hooking up with some stockbroker? What was it? No, I had my own license. It was something with sugarcane. It was a commodity scandal. I really? Had. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. But I want to know where people could buy your crypto because I, I want to buy one of your cryptos and don donate to your lifestyle. So where can people actually buy your crypto? Oh, hell yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, my lifestyle. Mama. Yeah. Okay. Um, my lifestyle of, uh, my, you know, jet setting, high flying lifestyle, uh, breadcoin.org is where you can learn how to do it. If you go to a, a website called MetaMask and you add breadcoin as a custom token, you can then get your breadcoin there. Uh, you might have to swap another crypto for it. Okay. That crypto is called Ethereum. I know it sounds convoluted, Jasmine. I've been working on getting on a regular exchange, but it's hard because they don't return my calls because I don't have uh, much money. <laughs> no, it's Brettcoin.org. Brett with one T. Brettcoin, B R E T C O I N.org. I don't know. My window was still open. Um, Brettcoin.org. And I'm going to pause this. Hold on. And just shut this stupid thing off. I don't know how people park in the street around here. It's just no so worries. Ridiculous. I'm back. So if you want to buy and contribute to Brett's high flying lifestyle and see his <laughs> show, maybe because it could probably finance that 
or his dream of making a movie and a play, it's B-R-E-T coin, C-O-I-N dot org, because that's responsible, obviously. And you probably have to use one of your other cryptocurrencies to buy it, which is totally fine, because I guess that's the way we're going now. Um, yeah. I Yeah. I, and... I'm, I was, wait, is this more self-promotion? What do I do here? I don't want I interrupted you. Do you do whatever you want to. You could like give out your phone number. You could give out all your social links, anything you want. You can give your address out too. Don't worry. Don't, we'll, we'll handle that after Jasmine. Don't worry. <laughs> I was <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a joke. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the thing I want to uh, promote is I have an hour comedy special, a stand-up special on YouTube called Brett Rabold Retires from Comedy. Go check it out. It's on YouTube so anyone can watch it. And I have a podcast called Just the Plugs, also on my YouTube channel. So subscribe to that. Every week I have a guest on to do the plugs and then I wrap up the show. It's just the plugs. So it's two to four minutes long. You come on. You say, hey, fellow, follow me here and there. And then I say, thank you for doing the show. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like so much fun. I, I'm going to have to have you on. Yeah. I, I would love to be on. I, I don't know what you're trying to light up there, but um, yes. Just a lighter. Okay. Just, just your heart on this uh, lonely Valentine's Day in oh, front of my I'm laptop. So sorry. Well, we're each <laughs> other's Valentine's today because technically I don't have a Valentine's Day today, guys. I do not have. But to all of you who have masturbated to me, you should at least send me flowers or freaking chocolates or cards or something. Uh, that you oh, that you, that's like eight. How many dump trucks is that? If that if that happened. Well, I'll give you some of the flowers and the chocolates and you could buy crypto coin from Brett coin. Dot org or buy yeah. my pillow towels because I love those. My pillow towels? Yeah, they're like absorb really, really well and um they're super soft. <laughs> you know, ja- Jasmine, I had a, uh, one of my businesses I launched was called Cum Rags. <gasps> no way. Yeah, I had a business uh called uh Cum Rags. I think they're still for sale. I mean, our supply chain got interrupted over the pandemic, but it was the Cum Rags. Are you serious? Oh man. Oh, go to yeah, decomrags.com. You gotta um, react that maybe maybe Mr. Pillow could distribute them. I, I would love that. <laughs> is it the my pillow guy? Is that who you're talking about? Oh that he has like an amazing book, but like you have the same gleaming blue eyes he has, except you do not have that cross. I don't have the cross. I'm not as religious of a man. Yeah, a psycho. Is that your dream? Is that your dream, dude? Who, Mike Lindell? Oh, fuck. No, 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 no. I just, I just like his book and like his energy and that's it. But no, that's not my dream guy. No, he's a brunette. I don't go out. With, I, I don't, I don't date guys with dark hair. Um, and that's the truth, but yeah. So any messages for your fans as we, we, uh, we disconnect just the zoom, but on us. <laughs> uh, no, no, no messages. Uh, just thank you for your support. If this comes out, Go to my Instagram because race the movie, the play, we're raising money for it. And uh, I think that's the project I'm most excited about. It's Blazing Saddles, but made in the modern era. How could you not want that? Classic comedy. Everyone has to have it. Yeah. Screw cancel culture. So make sure you check everything out. Go to his Instagram and his crypto, of course. And your Instagram is once again. At Brett Raybold. Brett with one T. B-R-E-T-R-A-Y-B-O-U-A-D. I know you guys could spell. Okay, well, happy VD, everyone. And uh, if you, you know, if you didn't have anyone this Valentine's Day, you you had me, you had him, whatever. I don't know. You had your right hand. Okay, bye, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs>